Okay, hello everybody. Welcome into this episode of Frederick Uncut. I'm your host, Colin McGuire. I am here today with education reporter Emma Kerr. Hi, everybody. How are you? I'm good. How are you? You rushed over here. I did. There was a protest this morning. I'm rushing in, but I made it. That's good. That was good. That's good. Yeah. And then, of course, our, our guest this week, uh, Tim Snyder. I almost called you Timothy again. I'm sorry. Uh, teacher of the year and without question the best dressed man I've seen all day. Well, thank you. So how how are you, sir? I'm doing great. That's good. That's good. We we have a lot we want to get to, especially Emma and I want to know how we can be runners and we'll talk to you about that in the in a couple minutes, but to begin, uh, we always like to get a little background. Are you, are you originally from Frederick? I am, born and raised in Frederick, Maryland. Did you go to college around here? I went to McDaniel College, so oh, about 45 right. minutes away. Okay. And what did you study? As an undergraduate, I studied art and graphic design, and then I went straight back to get my master's degree in education. Okay. So you always wanted to do something with art? I would say something along the lines. Uh, my grandmother was an artist and my mother was a teacher. And it took me probably midway through college to realize that teaching art was a path to take. Mm -hmm. um, originally, I thought graphic design, I wanted to be a designer, work behind the computer all day long. But after interning, I realized that's not what I wanted to do. So I decided to go back and pursue my degree in education. And that led to teaching art and working in the classroom with students. Graphic designer. We have graphic designers here. I, I've uh, worked as, as that at newspapers before. That's one of the most boring things <laughs> you can do. Have you done that, Emma? Behind a desk all day? Yes. No, I no? have not. Is that kind of what turned you off to it? You wanted that interface with, with students, maybe? I did. Um, I look at myself as a leader. Um, I'm a little bit of an introvert, but extrovert at the same time. But the bottom line is I love leading. I love coaching. I'm a coach in addition to being a teacher. And I love working with students of all ages, and that, I think, was my, my tiebreaker. It kind of pushed me in the direction to, to go to the classroom and be in front of students. Did you run track or cross-country while, while you were in high school? I ran both in high school and college. Okay. Oh, so did you get a scholarship? At the Division three level, they didn't give athletic wow. scholarships, but uh, it, it was still sort of a, a life hobby, and you know, it's something that I've continued to this day. Is there any sort of intersection between art and running? Well, I mean, I guess you could carry a paintbrush and canvas in your hand <laughs> when you run. Um, but in all seriousness, I think both require long-term persistence, um, whether you're, you're working on an art project or something over several weeks and months. It's not something you finish overnight. And running, you don't get fast overnight. So mm. that's one way to connect the two. But in the grand scheme of things, they're totally different things, but they've both been passions that I've had since day one. Did you know you always wanted to be a coach? I think it goes hand in hand with leading and being mm -hmm. a teacher. Um, I had some, I had a graduate assistantship while in graduate school and I got to work alongside my college coach. And then I had some time working um, alongside one of my greatest running mentors, Brent Ayer and Frederick at Hood College. And just those experiences working with college coaches, um, it, it just led me back into that direction of coaching after school and leading. And I love to combine my two passions in my everyday life. So coaching track and cross country, along with teaching art, I'm doing two things I love on a daily basis. What kind of coach are you? Do you crack the whip? Do you yell at the kids? Do you make them cry? Very opposite. <laughs> um, sometimes I joke with my athletes that I consider myself in the minority of coaches because um, I don't cut athletes. 
I, I tell parents at parents' meetings every single year that my cut count remains at zero because I d- believe every athlete deserves a chance. And it kind of goes back to the philosophy. You don't get fast overnight, but those that are out there working hard and committed to a training program um, that showed dedication over a long period of time, they can get better and improve as student athletes. And I, be- I believe every student athlete deserves a chance. Is there, uh, I'm sorry, were you going to say something? Yeah, I was just going to say, I mean, what what makes a good coach to you? Was there kind of a time when when you you had to exhibit some sort of characteristics or? um... I think individualizing, and you have to do that in the classroom too as a teacher, Mm -hmm. but um, trying to meet each athlete's needs as a runner, um, as a student athlete, finding out what makes them tick. Um, I read a book once, The Three-Dimensional Coaching, and it, it talks about developing athletes in the physical, mental, and spiritual dimensions. It's not all about just being a drill sergeant and blowing a whistle and saying you need to run harder, but it's finding out what motivates them, the mental piece, uh, what what helps them believe in themselves, the spiritual piece, the self-efficacy, and, and what makes them believe they can be better, what motivates them on and off the practice field. Uh, there's so much more than just designing some crazy workout and telling them they have to run harder. How can we start running? We don't <laughs> run. That's, yeah. That's, no, Emma and I were, well, you, you had emailed me this yesterday. Yeah. How, how can we get off of the couch yeah. and run? How can we do that? What is your first piece I've of advice? I've done Cycle. I tell people, I've had, I've had colleagues ask me before, and as silly as it sounds, take that first step, but go out for slow distance. I think a lot of people have this idea that you have to go out and run hard and then they make it for about 10 to 15 minutes and they're they're gassed and they're out of breath and they're in pain. They don't want to do this anymore. If anything, go slower and go longer. Um, okay. You know, go by the watch, but don't be afraid to run slow. Just try to put in the minutes, get the time out there and it does get easier. So it's you'd a- prefer I do a jog a lo- I, I, that seems really slow <laughs> and just try to go for like 15 minutes, half an hour, just try to go as long as I can or well I mean not necessarily as long as you can but I would say if you could go out and run as slow as you want for 30 minutes that's better than going out and running as hard as you can for eight to ten minutes and feeling like you can't do this tomorrow but how do I stay motivated you know after maybe I've gone out a few days it's week three you can set long-term goals you can purposely register for a race six to eight weeks in advance and that'll you know, you have kind of make deadline. you feel locked in. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So are there any races we could sign up for now that are in about two months that we know we can train for? There are several races in the fall. Uh, you can look at the Steeplechasers website. They're the local running club and they have races listed throughout the calendar year. How about walking? Would, would wa- if you walked for 30 minutes, would that sort of get you in that direction or do you just nullify walking? We're like really there? couch, yeah. really, really couch. <laughs> you know, if, if, if you asked me a year ago or at really any point in my life, um, several months back, I would have said, no, you need to run. But mm-hmm. being a father now, having a nine month old baby girl, um, I've been doing a lot of walking lately <laughs> in addition to running and it's opened my eyes that you can walk too. It doesn't have to be running all the time. So yes. Good. Okay. We'll start walking then. That's Yay. what we'll do. We'll, we'll, you can walk. We'll, we'll walk. You have my permission. Have you have you run a marathon? I'm assuming you have. The marathon is actually the one distance I have not no competed kidding. in. I've done countless half marathons and below. Um, wow. Mainly all throughout my post-collegiate career, um, 21 to date, it's pretty much been between one mile on the road and half marathon on the road. 
Hmm. So one to thirteen point one miles. Is that a in a marathon? It's twenty seven point two, I believe. Twenty six point two. Twenty six point two. Okay. So is this something? Is this a golden goose for you? Is this something you will, you want to achieve? Can we train with you? <laughs> you can. You can. <laughs> I welcome you too. Yeah. No. I would. Do you plan to do this or hope to do this someday? I think at some point I'll do a full marathon. Uh, Training for a marathon requires a whole different set of principles. Uh, a, lot, a lot of running books will recommend eight to nine months of continuous training for that one event. When I was training at a competitive level, really throughout my 20s, I was trying to touch base on really every event between mile and a half marathon. And as you can probably imagine, training for one mile on the road is a lot different than training for a marathon on the road. Yeah. So I didn't want to mix and match. I wanted to, to sort of focus on a shorter 5K to 10K range um, rather than go all into the marathon during that period of time. But yes, um, it's definitely on my bucket list to do a marathon here at some point, probably in the next five years. I feel like that's some good advice for life. You know, just, I mean, just that you kind of did, you could go for, I want to go all the way to the marathon, and then I also want to do just a mile. I mean, but you kind of had that focus when you were in college that you knew you wanted to stay within a certain, I don't know, you had a, you had a focus. Absolutely. There, you, so stay focused is yeah, the lesson, right? right. Yeah, stay focused. So Make with, a goal of focus. I yeah. think we could do it in five years. If you're going to do it in five years, we could start training now and hopefully get there. No? Emma? Mm. Okay, that's not well, I, I, <laughs> I can start designing a training program for you as soon as you'd like me to. Okay. Oh, that would be <laughs> perfect. Can it start with like three months of walking? Stop with the walking. You can't walk. <laughs> okay. I'll okay. tailor it to meet your needs. Okay. Thank you. <laughs> We're going to follow up on this. We're definitely going to follow up on this. This is what runners this. hate is people like this. People like <laughs> us? Okay. Right. Well, well, we'll move off this. We'll get to why you're here, which is... Uh, you're an amazing runner. No, why? Because um, FCPS, you are the teacher of the year. So congratulations on Thank that. Thank you so much. Um, and we wanted to talk a little bit about all of that process. I, I like, we, we, I think we've had two teachers of the year on this podcast in the past. To me, it's a very interesting uh, scenario throughout the day. Are you surprised? I want to get into the mechanics of how you responded when you found out and what they did to sort of surprise you, right? It was, it was an incredible experience. Just every round, my administrator at the time joked with me at the beginning and said, it's kind of like March Madness. You start with <laughs> 64 teachers, I think it was. It gets broken down and just really divided, by, divided in half uh, throughout the entire process. Honestly, I didn't think I, I would make it round by round. I sort of counted myself out. I'm very hard on myself. Uh, I set the bar high, but I'm definitely very hard on myself, and I didn't think I would make it as far as I did. Well, what did you think would disqualify you? Being younger, um, uh, I'm, I was in my seventh year. I'm going into my eighth year of teaching. I know I have the coaching experience. I know I have some leadership roles at school, but there are so many great educators in this county, and I guess I don't look at myself as being the teacher of the year. I think there are so many great teachers in my building alone, um, let alone – throughout the other schools in this county, and I just thought somebody else was more qualified than me. You said it's like March Madness. Are you going head-to-head -head with people? It's just round by round. You're doing everything or different things by the round. There were essay rounds. There were phone interview rounds. And, you know, obviously I did my best to prepare each and every round, but I just I didn't think I would advance round by round. So it was surprising the entire process. I sort of took it day by day and week by week. And, and then before you knew it, I was in the final four. We went in for... A, a long interview at central office 
had five questions to really expand our thoughts on and, and talk about you know what it means to be an educator, why we believe we were nominated for this in the first place. I was at school that following week, and um, my assistant principal, Kyle Barnett at the time, received a phone call. I didn't know about all this, but he planned a fake fire drill for the staff at school. And I was in my classroom, and at the same time, it was kind of odd, and I questioned it. I actually emailed him about it. He scheduled a meeting with me about something school-related, an SLO. And I was in his office when the fire drill was taking place, and I even asked him a couple times in that meeting, don't we have to be outside? You're, you're the administrator. And he played it off well. I'll give him that, but something was still off about the situation. <laughs> so needless to say, about 10 minutes later, there was a, a walkie on his desk, and somebody phoned him and said, Mr. Barnett, you guys need to be outside too. And he looked at me, and he was like, oh, yeah, I guess we do have to be outside. So then I really thought something was weird. So Kyle and I walked outside, and before I even got out the door, I saw a camera facing right at me. I saw Dr. <laughs> Alban, and I looked back at him, and I, I forget exactly what I said, but I, I told him, well played. I mean, he, he had me until the last couple seconds there, so he did a good job. That did your heart race? Were you were you nervous? Were you were you about to cry? I know we've had we've had winners who have cried. <laughs> you know, I didn't cry, but when I walked out there, um, it was an adrenaline rush. My parents were there, my wife oh. was there, my daughter, who was not even five months at the time, was oh. there, uh, and it it was an incredible experience. I don't even think "incredible" is the right word to describe it. I mean that that sort of downplays the whole situation. But you know, all the students in the school were out there, faculty. Just an unbelievable experience in my life. One to one, I'll always remember. That's for sure. That's a pretty elaborate scheme to fake. It's like fire one of those drill. elaborate proposals. Yeah, right. He did very well. <laughs> <laughs> Is that legal to do a fake fire drill? I mean, I, I don't know. Well, he, his line was, "We had a real fire drill the the week before," and he sent an email to staff saying we needed to be more quiet this time around. So he played it off well. Oh, that's wow. pretty good. Can't give him enough credit. Yeah. Through, yeah. That is, it's like an elaborate proposal. Yeah. Uh, and really I don't think we've touched on this, but you became a father the same year you became teacher of the year, right? It, it has been a wild year. She was born last Thanksgiving. <laughs> what a year. Congratulations. Thank you so much. <laughs> this has been the best year of your life. Yeah. Without a doubt. Wow. Oh. Now we just got to start training for that marathon. <laughs> <laughs> so you were talking about the questions. They ask you a lot of questions. What was the hardest question for you to answer throughout the process? When they gave us questions in advance, and I'm I'm a big-time planner. I like to prepare for things in advance. You better believe, like, the Saturday night before I was walking around my house rehearsing it and saying <laughs> out loud, looking at myself in a mirror, just trying to go over all the questions. The questions were somewhat different at the interview. Um, they they still, still covered somewhat the same topics, but they were a little bit different. Mm -hmm. So that was a little bit of a curveball. I think it's a good thing because they had the candidates think on the spot, and we have to do that as teachers and as a coach um, every single day in our career. So I thought it was kind of a neat move, but I think thinking on the spot and coming up with responses, genuine responses that were different than what I prepared, that was maybe the hardest thing, not an exact question. Mm. Mm. Anything that w you thought, this is over, I, I just lost right now. I don't like to brag about myself. I don't like the light on me. I don't like to be the center of attention. So one of the first, I think it was the first question was we needed to talk about why we were nominated in the first place. Why did our administrator feel we were the most qualified? And I wanted to come up with a genuine response that didn't sound like I was bragging about myself um, because that's not who I am. Okay. If you want to brag about yourself now, we'll, we'll listen, <laughs> right? <with that. laughs> 
Uh, so the most fascinating thing to me about winning teacher of the year is you get a car. Yes. I don't understand this. They give you a car for six months or something like that. And then they take it back. Correct. Like, uh, what do you feel about that? Are you like, just give me the car or don't give me anything at all. I went to the Audi dealership a day after I received the award. And one of the first things they said was, you know, come November 2nd, I think that's the date. It's standing out in my mind right now. See, you need to return. <laughs> you need you need to return that car. And so I'm already halfway through the time. I think I'm you know. And how is middle it? of August now? It's incredible. I'm not really. I tell people I'm not a car guy. I've never been that into cars. Um, I sort of look at them as just vehicles to go from point A to point B. But I I currently drive a 2010 Ford Fusion, and when I go in this 2000. 18 Audi A4 and then go back to the Fusion there's a big difference so <laughs> I'm quickly becoming more into cars and, by the day will, will your next car be an Audi I I'm on the fence right now with okay. what I should do you know I have the option to to buy it lease it or return it come yeah. November I, I remember that and I think last year the teacher and I don't remember her name she said she was going to buy the car she fell in love with the car so how is it did can you pick the car, or you you pick it yourself? You get uh, you get to select from a few. Okay. So this is the one I selected. Okay. Hmm. Wow. Is is there anything else you get? Do they give you like five million dollars because you won? Not five million. Uh, you get a lot of perks along the way. You do. Next Thursday, I get to go to well, state at the state level. I get to go to a Ravens Redskins preseason game. Ooh. A lot of events start to pick up in September, but October's a really big month. We, we take a three-day trip to Smith Island. Uh, the week before is the, the Gala Awards Ceremony, which many people describe it as the Academy Awards for Teachers. <laughs> so that's, it sounds a little intimidating, but I'm looking forward to it at the same time. Do you have a tux? I will have to rent it. I have plenty of suits, but I will have to rent a tux to step it up a notch. Really? Wow, a tuxedo. That, that's going to be big deal stuff. That is big oh, deal stuff. Big stuff, yeah. I mean, are you going to take your daughter? She will probably stay home, oh. uh, but still on wife? the fence. <laughs> My wife will be there. Yep. That'll be good. That'll be fun. Now, the is this the national teacher of the year? This yeah. is the Maryland state level Mar okay, this is ceremony. State level. And so. this is the Academy Awards. So the national one, what would the national be? It'd be like going to space. I have no idea. That's a good question. <laughs> it'll, it'll be interesting to see. But this is the ceremony where out of the 24 district winners throughout Maryland, they announced the state winner. Do you Oh wow, so you're still up for this. Are you still up for possibly state winner? Technically. They technically. will announce that What do you mean technically? Like do you know? I I, I haven't being heard otherwise. <laughs> He's being modest. He is up for potentially. So you could win. wide teacher of the year. You could win best picture. It's possible. Anything's yeah. possible. Huh? Wow, this is, we'll have you back. We'll have you back on oh, if you we'll win Maryland. Have to have yeah. You back. No pressure or anything, yeah. right? <laughs> At that point, we'll be in the middle of our training. We'll already have a very strong personal relationship. Things anyway, to talk so, about on yeah. runs. <laughs> so, well, good luck. Thank good you luck so much. We're, we'll be pulling for you. When is that again? The the Gala Awards Ceremony is October 12th. Okay. Have so. you had a chance to meet other uh, teachers of the year from Your competition? already or I've, not yet? We had an... Uh, there was an original gathering back in May, but everybody was sort of deer in the headlights at the time. We were all in a crowded room, and they announced us all one by one to, to give us our early recognition. Yesterday, actually, I was invited by my former college president to have a lunch at his house at McDaniel. Hmm. And 
believe it or not, there's a couple other teachers that were county winners throughout the state that also had a connection to McDaniel College. So there were three others at the table with me yesterday for lunch. So we had a chance to really talk and get to know one of another. Do you compete on different levels for the state? Like, do you have more sets of questions you have to answer? Right now, we're sort of in wait mode. Um, We had to submit a packet back in May, and that is currently being judged, and they'll select seven out of the 24 to advance for a formal interview at the Maryland State Department of Education. That takes place in mid-September. Okay. And again, we're just sort of in wait mode right now because they haven't announced who the seven are. And that'll be pub- that'll be public right? at They're some not- point here soon. Yeah, it's the twenty third of August, so this is going to come soon. Correct. Are you nervous? It, I'm a little bit nervous. Uh, I think different things make me more nervous. I think being in the spotlight with all the teachers and not really knowing what to expect um, definitely makes me feel uneasy and a little bit nervous. But you know, at the same time, uh, I'm excited. I think excited is the best way to put it. I have to ask, well, you're, you're competitive, right? You're Correct. an athlete. Correct. So like the, the whole idea too, this is a competition. So if, if you don't win, will you be, will you be disappointed? Absolutely not. I, it, it's an incredible honor to be where I am. And again, I think there's so many educators in this County that deserve this. And, you know, there are times I was talking to my wife about it last night where I'm still trying to soak in and digest that I'm, I'm even sitting here right now and having this conversation. It's it's kind of hard to express in words, but like I said, there are so many people deserving of this award and it's an incredible feeling, but you know, at the same time I do wonder why me at times. When you went to the president of McDaniel College for lunch, what was lunch? What did we have for yeah, lunch? What did- <laughs> We had salmon, and there were a couple... Salmon for yeah, he, lunch? he went all out for us, yeah. Wow. Emma just told me yesterday she only eats fish. So, yeah. so well, that, salmon, that's one of my favorites, salmon, really? so that do, worked do out well. Do you eat meat? I do. Okay, yeah. good. That's good. I do. We should have talked about the runner's diet. That's, yeah, what, what do you... Because we got the plan, but not the... Not the food. Yeah, what, what, do you, what do you eat? What do you eat to stay energized? Fish? Fish, fish is obviously... You know, anti-inflammatory, it's, it's, it's very good for you, even if you're not a runner. You have to get your, your protein. That's key. But I think you still need a little bit of everything. You still need that pizza. You, you need those, <laughs> those fats. You know, fats give energy. I think to be partial to one food group, I think you're doing yourself, you're, you're leading yourself in the wrong direction. I think you have to still have to live your life and be able to splurge a little bit and, and have fun. Is that the advice you give as a, as a coach maybe for someone? I talk to the boys about trial and error you know a lot of them come to me I even have parents asking me before the the first day in the time trial that we have like what should my son eat and when should he eat and the bottom line is everybody is different and it goes back to individualizing you know I had friends and training partners that could only have a banana three hours within a big race where I could have steak and eggs an hour before so it it just depends on metabolism it depends how your body responds to different foods but there's no like exact answer for everybody it just depends on who you are and you have to experiment it's trial and error and i've heard whatever it is it's about maintaining the habit Correct. whatever you do be consistent with it right i mean if you're doing something on a regular basis and you're training for six to ten weeks for a big race you wouldn't want to try something different the morning of a big race because right. that could be a disaster right is there any food you despise you will not eat food i despise i used to be a very picky eater but now I've, I branched out and, 
you know, I try to have salads at least every other day. You'd get the vegetables and nutrition. Uh, Do you have dressing with the salad? Yeah. Like Italian yeah. dressing? Yeah. Yeah, Italian Good dressing. Good guess. Yeah, man. But, you know, a little bit of everything. My wife is an excellent cook, and we try to eat in usually Monday through Thursday, and then we'll we'll go out or order out on the weekends. So it goes back to maintaining balance. If you're if you're too much in one direction, it's going to get a little bit crazy. Right. Moderation, right? Moderation. Moderation. That's a good way to put it. Emma had a really great question yesterday when we were talking about you. We spent a lot of time talking about you. I hope you. <laughs> I hope that's okay. But you are the teacher of the year. Um, and we were wondering, well, I'll let, if you want to take it, no, you're giving me this look like what, it, like you are obviously somebody who has a good relationship with your students or else you wouldn't be a teacher of the year. Um, I, yeah. I would assume that sometimes there are problematic students or sometimes in the classroom things can go awry. And we were talking, do you have any of those moments where, how do you deal with that? When yeah, because we, yeah, we were talking about how just well-respected you are, you know, to be Teacher of the Year, to be nominated, all of that, you, you know, you must really cultivate a community, cultivate respect. And so how do you, um, you know, we were thinking, how do you, how do you handle when, when there is an issue that arises? What's your strategy to keep things, you know, de-escalate or what's your strategy? It's a very good question. I try to make connections with each of my students and treat them as individuals if I sense something is popping up behavior-wise or there's an issue about to occur, I try to be proactive rather than reactive and, you know, look into that situation. I might tell a student, like, hey, you want to stay a minute or two after class and we'll talk about what happened and not bring a scene to the middle of the class where the student might be a little upset by that or, you know, react in a negative way because the spotlight's on him in front of all of his or her peers. So a lot of times I'll make those connections where I'll maybe hold a student after class or so, talk to them about the situation. I've, I've never been big. I, I don't yell at my students first. And I think, you know, that may sound like, well, that doesn't really matter whether you yell or not, but I think it does. I think there are certain students out there that may come from a home that they don't hear yelling. So if a teacher's yelling at them, even if they did something that they shouldn't have done, that could affect them, even if they're in the wrong so I think it's about your approach. I think it's about making connections with students. Um, I can think back to an instance with a student where something was going on, and I know it occurred before my class, but he was acting out in my class. It was unusual. And I went over to him in a real quiet voice, and I said, you mind staying after for a few minutes? Let's talk. So I held him after class. I had a pass ready to write to his next teacher so they would accept him being late. But I just talked to him. I asked him if everything was okay, and he broke down. He told me that things were going on at home, uh, it's affecting his school, grades, and other classes. And I think just having that connection with him, it opened his eyes that, you know, I wasn't out to attack him. I was out to help him. Even though he acted out in my class and, you know, maybe many teachers would discipline him right then and there in front of everyone, I wanted to make that connection and kind of look into what's going on. Is there an, an underlying factor or something below the scene, below the surface? And I think making those connections go a long way. I mean, I thought of two things when you were talking. First, I think when I was in elementary school, there was this, my best friend, my best childhood friend, she could be yelled at all day long and would just kind of, well, roll off her, you know, whatever. And I remember the teacher would come and tell my parents that whenever they would say even something slightly disciplinary to me, I would just cry. Right. I would just, it, it, it just affected us very differently. And I think what you said about students, it just is like so true from, from, just different backgrounds, different experiences, different levels of what they are used to, you know, absolutely in their home. So that 
true for me as a third <laughs> grader. <laughs> um, but the second thing was just, I mean, I wanted to ask you because, I mean, nationally we've been having this conversation, but we've been having this conversation here in Frederick about mental health and mm-hmm. how much that needs to be addressed, how, how teachers can be more aware, adding counselors, adding school psychologists, you know, school psychologists. Um, I mean, what do you think about that? How, how important and how much are you thinking about th- those issues that might be underlying? Mental health and wellness, it, it's everything. It really is. My platform as Teacher of the Year is how to develop a growth mindset in students. And I think that goes hand in hand with mental health. I think when students believe in themselves and they they display that effort every day, that helps them perform and excel academically. And I think in order for them to believe in themselves, they have to be in an environment where they feel comfortable, safe, secure, welcome. I think there's so many things and it all goes hand in hand with mental health and wellness. In the classroom and as a as a coach, does it come up in both? I think it does, absolutely. You talked about connection and you talked about the idea of when when you sit down with these students and you can really connect and and they'll they'll open up to you, they'll talk. It's been a while since you've been in high school. It's been a while since you've been in middle school and elementary school. Things have changed. It's really how do you stay connected I look at a younger generation, like, for instance, Emma, she uses words I've never heard before. Right. (laughs) How do you sort of keep that connection and continue to evolve even as younger people come up and the trends change? You try your best to stay with the times. As an art teacher, the first project I do every year is a visual name design. And one of my rules, one of the only rules, well, two rules, they have to put their name on the paper, but that's the only thing they can write. Everything else, they are visually displaying passions, hobbies, interests, And I go around the room as they're working on this project, and I try to get to know them based on what they're illustrating. So it's a lot of fun. You you sometimes learn things, like I'll see a a logo or some sort of image, and I may not know what it is, but at the time, I'll ask the student, you know, what what does this stand for? Is this something you're interested in? And they'll tell me about it. And right then and there, I'm learning not only something about the student, but something new in today's world. How about social media? How about cell phones? Things like that. Yeah, are, are at the middle school level, or are they? They are at the middle school level. Yeah, yeah it's a it's a double edged sword if there's ever been one. I think, you know, obviously in my class, students have the opportunity during a work period to look up images if we're doing a logo project or really anything. They they have their phones available where they can search images and get ideas for their artwork. But at the same time, cell phones, just like all technology, it's a distraction, and I think it's it's certainly. The way technology is in today's world is a lot different from when I was in school when, you know, I think I had my first cell phone when I was a senior at Thomas Johnson and you you kept it locked in your your locker or backpack at any given time because you weren't allowed to have that. Yeah. How old will your daughter be when she gets a cell phone? Nine months? (laughs) That's a tough question. No, I'll probably wait until at least middle school, but, you know, I'll definitely have ground rules at my house about how you know, we're not going to have cell phones out at the dinner table. I want to make sure that she's using it for the right reasons and being respectful with it because you, you see a little bit of everything with cell phone use. And I think there are many advantages to all the technology in today's world, but I think there are several levels of distraction with, with phones, computers as well. And I try not to be, I like to keep my feet wet with technology, but I, I, try to stay out of the water because it can go a little too far. How about technology and art? Like, do you have, do they draw on iPads? We don't. Uh, We try to expose them to a variety of media at the middle school level. But 
at the high school level, they, they learn different softwares like Photoshop, Illustrator, where they can take off graphic design classes, commercial art. So it, it definitely takes off more at the high school level as far as using all that digital technology. Are you like, you're not going to want to be a graphic designer? I tried it. You're not going to like it. I still push students. You, you can tell certain students that may be the route for them. And I push that and I share my story. But at mm -hmm. the same time, you know, they, they'll ask me, most students ask me, well, why didn't you end up a graphic designer? And, you know, I'm not afraid to say that I didn't want to be behind a computer all day long. That's, well, you can explain. Yeah. You try things. Try it. Correct. You know? And when you get there, you'll have a sense of this is for me or it's not. Correct. Yeah. Well, we always wrap these up with a lot of fun questions. I, I've only done one of these with Emma, I think. That's right. Uh, so I hope you have fun questions because I don't think we did this before. Do you know if we, we did, did this? Do this we before. did this before. Yeah. Okay. So do you have fun questions? Uh... That sounds like a yes. So we'll we'll just <laughs> we'll move on. Um, here we go. Are you ready? Now I'm a little bit nervous. Yeah, these are the nervous ones. These are the nervous ones. So that that's uh, we need. An answer for all of them. Sometimes people try to skate on this, but you can't. You can't. You are not allowed. Can I pass one and go back to it? Perhaps. Only <laughs> if you go back to it. Okay. So we'll start off by saying, you know, we were talking yesterday in preparation for this interview, and I asked Emma, who is your favorite artist? And she said... I don't know. Yeah. She said, I don't know. You're an art teacher. Do you have a favorite artist? I do. And who is that? M.C. Escher. And, okay. Tell us more. <laughs> Very Wait, can I... Can I just follow <laughs> yeah, up? Go ahead. Yeah. Very detail-oriented, focused on perspective, a lot of illusions in his artwork. Yeah. Just his overall style, I think, overlaps with my style. I like to work in black and white. That's not to say that all of his work was in black and white, but I prefer to work with neutral colors. What medium is this? A, a variety. I, oh. I prefer to work with pen and ink and charcoal. Okay. They would be my top two. Okay. Do you know, have you seen any of his work? No. Check it out. You have to look it oh, up. Yeah. Yeah. You can take out your cell phone and look up the image. <laughs> yeah. Or you get on your tablets yeah. and do whatever. <laughs> uh, okay. So do you drink? Drink. Drink alcohol? In moderation. Uh, do you have a favorite drink? Yes. Flexible. Beer or wine? Beer. Favorite beer? Craft. The local beer? Uh, again, flexible. Oh, I'll say attaboy to answer your These question. These are very evasive <laughs> answers right now, you know. Uh, what's your favorite television show? Television show of all time? Of all time. I didn't watch it growing up, but I watched the reruns like there's no tomorrow. Seinfeld. Oh, okay. wow. I, so I just read something about how young people today don't know what Seinfeld is and how it's like a dying... Do you know what Seinfeld is? Yeah, of I course. think it's something that you can appreciate as an adult. Maybe I, I can remember being a kid and my parents watching it, but I didn't have much appreciation for it at the time. But looking back, you know, I'm, I'm at the edge of my seat yeah. laughing and... yeah. yeah. Yeah, that it's something that today's youth should go and watch when they're in college yeah, I, or something. I, <laughs> dry humor, it's it's a fun show to watch. Yeah. Do you have a favorite athlete? Current or all time? All time. Any sport? Tough question. I am going to go with Jerry Rice, one of the greatest wide receivers of all time for the San Francisco 49ers, at least for most of his career. When I was in third grade, I wrote him a letter. He returned an autographed picture. Oh, that's nice. So I was a little bit of a 49ers bandwagon guy growing up. 
fan. Are you a Redskins fan now? Or? I'm not partial to any team. Okay. I'm a huge NFL football fan, but it's more for, for fantasy leagues and pick them mm. leagues. Okay. But I try to stay impartial. Because you'll be at that Ravens game. I will be, but I won't be rooting for right. either team. Either te- you'll just, just be enjoying the game. Have a craft beer. Absolutely. <laughs> if it's there. <laughs> if you could have dinner with three people dead or alive, who would they be? This is tough. Hopefully two of them are me and Emma. Hmm. Well, that'll make my answer easier if I only have to name <laughs> one more. Three people dead, dead or, or alive. alive. I am really drawing a blank right now. This question is... This question You hate this? Why do you hate this question? You know, even if you told me this 24 hours ago, I, I may not still have an answer for you. Uh, this is... Man, oh man, oh man. Wow. Oh, I may have to... pass on this? I'm, we're going to pass? We'll circle It's honestly here. because I don't know. I, well, while, while you're thinking, I want, I want to know why you don't like this question. Um, I think the dead part throws me I off. that... <laughs> Including every human, dead or alive, it's just there are so many just amazing people, just so many <laughs> people who have inspired me, people who I I would want to know about who haven't inspired me and who just are fascinating historical characters. I mean, it just what do you it's want? such then, a broad question. How about I mean, 20 you could people? Say, who would I want to have dinner with here in the Frederick News Post? And I couldn't. I mean, it would wow. be a very difficult. I'm very offended. Everyone but here is... <laughs> I, I think, but you know? you know, the answers always vary though. Like if the people have loved ones who have died, maybe yeah. they'll, they'll say somebody like that. You yeah. know, obviously you have like Albert Einstein or, or something, but people do typically answer the question, but we'll circle back. We'll circle Sounds back. Sounds good. It. Do you have a favorite book? It's called The One Thing by Gary Keller. It was actually a recent read, one I had been hoping to read for a long time, but the book really dives into focusing on one thing and the most important thing at any given time to bring out success and the best results in life, being productive. Okay, okay. Um, What was, I always love asking this, the last concert you attended? That would have been back in college, three doors down. Three doors down. Weren't they just at the fair last year? They were, but this was back in Hershey, Pennsylvania, probably 10 years ago. Wow, so you're not a big music? I'm not a, well... I like music, but I'm not a big concert guy. We uh, we did have written down, this was Emma's idea too, do you listen to music when you run? I do. And what do you listen to? A little bit of everything. I think there's certain music that helps you warm up and cool down and take it easy on your runs, and then there's certain music that pumps you up and, and gets you going. I don't listen to music in races because it's, for the most part, frowned upon. Mm-hmm. But um, as far as workouts, especially when I'm by myself, absolutely. Better gas station food, Sheets or Wawa? It depends on the food. <laughs> of course it depends sheets, on the food. That <laughs> sheets would probably win for food, but Wawa would win for coffee, and I'm a big black coffee mm. drinker. Fair enough. Emma, do you have any? What about favorite vacation spots? Any beach. My wife's family has a beach house in Brigantine, New Jersey, and we go there every year. It's incredible. Great house. We get to go for free. We actually went on a two-week trip. That was the longest vacation in my life this past summer with my daughter for the first time. So as you can imagine, it was more planning to go to the beach than it was actually being on the beach. <laughs> but I would say any, anywhere beaches in general. Favorite teacher of yours of all time? Wow. Growing up. 
we might have to break it down on subject. <laughs> very, very tough question, but I'm going to give a huge shout out. He's still currently teaching at Thomas Johnson Middle, Mr. Joe Daly. He was my, his wife actually babysat me when I was a toddler. He was my third grade teacher. Um, his family knows my family. We've kept in touch to this day, and I actually worked with him. He was my colleague my first year at North Frederick Elementary School. And going to his portable that year as his colleague, it gave me flashbacks to being in third grade in his class and having lunch with him. Mm -hmm. And he has been a mentor since day one, as long as I can remember. He's still currently teaching. I, we actually touched base the other day. We may get breakfast next week. Oh, mm, that's nice. That's great. Salmon? Salmon breakfast? <laughs> you know, I'm the, okay, yeah. I've, I thought of another one just now while you were talking because of your tie, and, and y'all can't see this, but he's wearing a amazing tie today. Yes. Do you have a favorite tie? What do you, what <laughs> what is your tie philosophy? I try to have every color. You, you need to have yeah. a color for every every suit, every outfit. Uh style's important. I mean, y you want to go into work looking professional. Mm -hmm. And I think having certain teachers that that dressed up, it's not something that you have to do, but I like to go into work looking like a professional in addition to being a professional. So you wear a tie every day? To close, work? close to close every, every now day. and then, maybe once every other week, uh, I'll give my neck a break and teachers will get on me. Mm. They'll get on me about Where's why I don't, why, why I don't have tie? a tie. Yeah. So you have a good tie collection. I do. I'm glad, you know, I'm glad you asked this. Uh, so through a series of circumstances, I have a lot of fake blood on my favorite tie right now. <laughs> Can I get that out? It's white. It's a white tie. Probably not. Probably not. I, I've, Is I've that made it? attempts to get stuff at out of ties. dry cleaners. No. You're better off just going to the store and getting a new one. Can you dry clean a tie? You can try. <laughs> <laughs> um, I've got one more. Do you have any? That's it. That okay, was that's my it for you. Finale. I love asking this question. Nobody ever answers it. We'll see if you do. You already passed on one, so you have to. Where is your favorite place to eat in Frederick? Three-way tie. Is that okay? Is that acceptable? <laughs> We'll, we'll for, take for it. different we'll reasons. He doesn't like questions on the spot. We I have know. to be okay. very, yeah. My that's wife and I have a guilty habit, and they know us by name. Actually, when I make the, the takeout order over the phone, they can tell by my voice who it is. The Orchard in downtown okay. Frederick, that mm -hmm. would be one. Dutch's daughter would be another one. We had our, uh, our rehearsal dinner there before we got married in 2013. It's very, very symbolic, sentimental restaurant, mm -hmm. great food. And the tasting room has to be in that mix, oh. too. And what's your favorite dish at the tasting room? Probably the filet. Okay. I'd go in the direction of steak. Yeah, yeah. See, you're missing out on steak. Hmm. You're missing out on steak. We'll give you one more shot if you would know who you want to have dinner with. I, I would keep it close to home, and I would have one more opportunity to go out with my grandparents. Oh, that's perfect. That's, That's a perfect good. way Thank you. to end. Good luck with everything uh, coming up here. We'll like we'll have you back on. Good luck. Uh, yeah, you, we'll follow win. up with you. If you want to come back on, we'll have you back, and and we'll be in our we'll be five weeks into our training. Yeah, so to check in good. on us. We will. I will. So so thank you so much for coming thank by. You. We really Absolutely. Thank you for having me. Thanks.